Well, it's great to be able to be with you this evening and to uh, open God's Word with you. If you have a Bible, we're going to read uh, from the Scriptures. We're going to read from uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 14 through to the end of the chapter. That's Ephesians chapter 3, from verse 14 to the end. And this is what God's Word says. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's host people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now before we uh, look at this together, let us just pray and ask God for his help. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have it before us, that this book on our laps is breathed out by God. And Father, we thank you that you have preserved it, that, that men throughout history and women have given their lives so that we could have this book on our laps, Father. And we, we, we give you thanks and we give you praise. And Father, we pray now as we hear your will preached that you will help me, that you'll give me the words to say, Father, that your strength will be made perfect in my weakness. And Father, for those of us who listen, Lord, help us to listen well. We know and we confess how quickly our minds can wander onto other things, things which aren't as important as your word. And Father, we pray to help us not to do that, but that you will uh, help us to concentrate upon your word. And Father, that you will speak to us. Father, we pray for your presence with us now as we have your word preached. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're looking at this uh, prayer this evening, this prayer of the Apostle Paul. And it's, uh, it's one of two great prayers that is recorded for us in the book of Ephesians. And this was a prayer the Apostle Paul prayed as he was in prison, suffering for the gospel. And he prayed it for the church, for the Christians at Ephesus. And here we see that the Apostle Paul was concerned for the church. He looked past his own needs, looked past his own sufferings and his own problems. And he, he, he looked to the needs of the Christians there in the church and he prayed for them. He was praying for other people. And what kind of things did he pray for? Well, he didn't simply pray for their safety or for their health, as important as these things are, but he prayed for their that they would be spiritually mature. He prayed that they would uh, be strengthened by the Spirit. And he prayed that they would be able to grasp the love of Jesus for them and that they will, they will have all 
that, that God intends them to have. And so these are the kinds of things that Paul pulls for, and we're going to look at it in more detail in a moment. But it's helpful for us just to, just to know uh, why this prayer is here. It's in response to what he said in chapter 2. In chapter 2, he's, he's speaking about the fact that the Gentiles have, have also been brought in to the promises of God through Jesus Christ. It's not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles, people who aren't Jewish. And he's been explaining this mystery in chapter 2 of Ephesians. And then in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, and he's about to pray. But then he gets diverted. And for the next few verses, he goes on to speak about his calling as an apostle and his uh, task of, of proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. And then verse 14, it's as though he, he remembers where he was, if we can put it that way. And now he takes up his prayer again. And so he's responding to what he says in chapter 2 and to the things he says in chapter 3. And he says, for this reason, for what God has done in Christ... And now that you Gentiles can be brought in as well. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. And so as a result of the truth he's been saying, he wants the believers to be enabled by God to grasp the love of Jesus for them, both Jews and Gentiles, so they would know all that they have in Jesus. And so this is what he prays for for them. And there's three main requests in this prayer, three main things that he asks for. He asks Firstly, that they would be strengthened by the Spirit. He asks, secondly, that they would know the love of Christ. And he asks, thirdly, that they would be filled with all of God's fullness. He says, may you be strengthened by the Spirit. May you be able to grasp the love of Christ. And may you be filled with all of God's fullness. Three main requests in this prayer. And here we learn how we are to pray ourselves, don't we? What are the kind of things that we are to pray for? How should we pray for other people? Maybe you know some Christians now who, who are suffering. Maybe you know a particular believer who is really going through it. And you're thinking, what can I pray for? Well, here we have a model of the kind of things that we should be praying for. Not just for them, but praying for ourselves. What kinds of things should we be uh, praying for in our own Christian life? And here we also learn the kind of things that we should expect and desire. We see the Apostle Paul prays big here. He prays a big prayer. He doesn't set the bar low. And, and here we, we can be encouraged that we should pray likewise. So what does he pray? Well, three main requests, and we're going to take them one by one. The first one that he prays is that they'll be strengthened by God's Spirit. May you be strengthened by God's Spirit. And this is in verse 16 and in verse 17. He begins in verse 16 by saying, I pray that out of his glorious riches, according, no, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So this is what he prays, that out of his glorious riches, you will be strengthened by his spirit through power in your inner being. And what he's asking for is that they will be strengthened spiritually. He asked firstly that they would be strengthened inwardly. And here we, here we see the source of this strengthening to begin with. He, he prays that God, out of his glorious riches, would strengthen them. Now, it's helpful for us to know that although the NIV here says that, that, he, that, that it's out of his glorious riches, a better translation would probably be that God would strengthen them according to 
his glorious riches. And you might think that's just a very small point, but it's an important point if we think about it. Because if, if we had a, a, a millionaire and he gave you a gift out of his riches, well, he could just give you a pound, couldn't he? But if he was to give you a gift according to his riches, it would be much more. And so the actual word in the original, in the Greek, is according to, and it's a better translation and it brings out the meaning better. That God would strengthen the believers according to his glorious riches or the riches of his glory. And the reason why that's important is because God's, uh, the riches of God's glory are infinite. They are immeasurable. They have no limit. They have no bound. And so Paul is praying that the Christians would be strengthened according to God's infinite power and grace, according to his inexhaustible storehouse of all that he is and all that he does, according to his infinite attributes, according to God's infinity. Paul is praying that the believers there would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Notice he prays that it's through God's spirit. Now the Holy Spirit indwells every believer and he is praying that the Holy Spirit will strengthen these Christians. Not that he would simply strengthen them physically, as important as it is to have physical strength, but he wants them to be strengthened inwardly, their inner being. That's what's important here. And so he prays that they'll be strengthened in the inner man. What does that mean? Well, the Apostle Paul is referring to the spiritual part of them, the, the soul, if you like. The seat of the affections and the will. The place where we desire. The place where we desire to know God. The spiritual part of you. And here the Apostle Paul is praying that that part of the Christians would be strengthened. And not just strengthened a little bit, but according to God's glorious riches. And why does he pray this? Well, he continues in verse 17. And this is what he says. He gives the reason for saying this. Verse 17, he says, So that... Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He wants them to be strengthened spiritually by God's Spirit so that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. Now, this phrase, to dwell in their hearts, it's not speaking about conversion. Jesus was already dwelling in their hearts by his Spirit. They had the Spirit of Christ. As it says in Romans 8, if any man, if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So if you're not born again, if Jesus isn't in you, then you're not converted. He's speaking about that here. These are Christians. They have been converted. They have the Spirit. So what is he asking for? Well, the, the key is with that word dwell. He prays that Christ will dwell in their hearts by faith. We could translate it by saying that Christ would be at home in them. That he would be comfortable in them. That he would feel... Uh, Able to dwell with them, if you like, at home, have access to every part of their life, every room, every closet of their life. That Christ would dwell in their hearts. That he wouldn't uh, feel uncomfortable there. But that his presence would, would, would uh, increase bit by bit as, they, as the Christians open up their hearts to him more and more. And the key here is at the end, it says, by faith. And we always have these these phrases by faith throughout the letters of Paul and it's a reminder that it's from faith to from first to last isn't it we're saved by faith we grow in grace by faith Christ dwells in our hearts by faith and so Paul prays that they'll be strengthened in the inner man the spiritual part of them 
by God's, according to God's infinite uh, glorious riches, so that Christ will dwell in them by faith, in their hearts by faith, be at home in them. Now, why does he pray this for them? Why does he ask this? Well, it's true, isn't it, that our inner person, our inner man, can become weary. We can become weary spiritually as we to temptations, as we face a world every day that, that doesn't love God, as we face the, the stresses of life, of bills, and things like this. And all of these things can, can weaken us spiritually, if you like. So we need to be strengthened spiritually. We need to be strengthened in our inner man. And this is what Paul prays for the Christians there. So that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. Now here we have an example of prayer for us, don't we? And, and it is a challenge. Are these the kind, is this the way that we pray for people? Do we pray for people like this? Do we pray for ourselves like this? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's, I've been living with this passage for a few weeks now, just thinking about it. And, and it is a challenge. And, it, and it's challenged me. And it, it's, it, from time to time, it changes how I pray. But then I forget, and then I start praying differently. But it's, it should challenge us, shouldn't it? This is how we ought to pray for people. And this is, this is how, how Paul prays for them. Now let us notice that here Paul is praying for Christians. He's praying for those who already know Jesus. And the fact is, before Jesus can be at home in your heart, if you're not a Christian, first you need to be born again. First you need God's Spirit to dwell in you. First you need to be changed. And then... These kinds of things could be prayed for you. But until then, uh, Christ can't be at home in you if you're not a Christian. But I trust that you are this evening, that you've put your faith in Christ. And if that's true of you, then there's another challenge here. And it's, oh, why am I? Oh, are we desiring that Jesus would dwell in our hearts by faith? That he would be at home in us? That as he has access to all of our thoughts, all of the things that we want, our affections, our desires, as he sees it, does he feel comfortable, if you like? Is he at home in us? Well, this is what Paul prays for the Christians, that they'll be strengthened inwardly in their inner man so that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. And then he goes on, and one commentator helpfully says that this prayer is like a mountain, and he Paul is, is climbing the mountain and, and as, you, as you go through the prayer he's getting higher and higher and higher and we see that in the next request. He asks for more and more and more and his second request he says may you be able to grasp the love of Christ. May you be strengthened by the Spirit and may you be able to grasp the love of Christ and we see this in verse 18 and 19. He begins in verse 18 by saying may you have or even end, the end of verse 17, sorry. He says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how long and how wide and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. So he's praying that they'll be able to grasp the love of Jesus. And he begins by saying, And, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. And that is, is following on for what he's just said. If you've been strengthened according to God's infinite, glorious riches in a man by his spirit and Christ is dwelling in your heart by faith, if that's true, 
then you will be rooted and established in love. And he's saying, I pray that being rooted and established in love. So the outcome of what he said first is that you would be rooted and established in love. Now before we look at what, what comes after this, what does he mean by that? Well, these are two words, two uh, verbs rooted and established or rooted and grounded that have to do with a firm foundation we know what roots are we we know what it is for something to be established to be uh, to dig deep to put in strong uh, foundations and paul is praying that the christians would be rooted in the soil of love now i was reminded recently of how strong roots can be in my front garden by my front room window i've got a, a plant growing and I think it's going to be a tree. I'm, I'm not a horticulturalist, but I'm guessing it's going to be a tree. And we're only renting the place, so it doesn't really matter too much to me. But the landlord doesn't want a tree growing there. It's all going to affect, the roots are going to affect the foundation, I'm sure. So I was going to be a, a, a good tenant recently, and I attempted to pull it out. It's not a very big tree. It's still green. It's not twiggy. And I've with all my might trying to pull it and it didn't shift and that's because it's rooted and the tree is still there because I couldn't get it up this scrawny thing because it, its roots were deep and here the apostle Paul is saying if Christ is dwelling in your heart and you've been strengthened by the spirit you'll be rooted in love and it will show in your life won't it you'll be established in love and it goes on and he says I pray that you being rooted and established in love may be able to grasp or have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. He's saying being grounded in love, I want you to be able to grasp the love of Christ. And here he gives us these dimensions. And you can read a hundred different people on this and they'll give you a hundred different ideas of what these dimensions mean. But I think John Stott is onto something. This is what he says. He says, The love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all mankind. That it is long enough to last for eternity. It is deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner. And high enough to exalt him to heaven. And here the Apostle Paul is praying that Christians will be able to grasp this love. To understand it. To know it. So they can grasp it uh, for themselves. That the, that the Spirit of God would reveal it to them. Now we can see the love of Jesus, can't we, in the Gospels. As we think about the way that he lived, the things that he said. I'm often reminded of the way that he showed love to the leper. In, in, in Israel in those days, if you had leprosy, you were an outcast. You didn't touch anybody and nobody touched you. If you touched someone, you made them unclean. And one day a leper came to Jesus and he shouldn't have been anywhere near him. And he, and he came to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And any other religious leader would have rebuked the man and told him to clear off because he's unclean. But what did Jesus do? Well, we read in the gospel that Jesus touched him and said, I am willing to be clean. And he was cleansed. This man hadn't been touched probably in years, never been touched. And the Lord Jesus Christ in love touched him. And made him perfectly whole. That's the love of Christ. We see his love in the cross, don't we? That the, the, the God would become a man and hang naked upon a Roman cross. Spat on. Had his beard plucked out. 
to pay for, for the, the things that we have done wrong, for our filthy sins. We see his love, don't we? Also in, in his tender care of believers, the way that he looks after us. And when we fail him, he picks us up and he sets us on our feet again and he's the good shepherd. And we see the love of Jesus in all these things, don't we? But the fact is that, 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 that it's so much greater than, than we can put into words. You can get the most eloquent preacher up here and he would fail miserably to try to put into words the love of Jesus. And Paul praying that God would reveal this to them, to the Christians at Ephesus, that they would be able to grasp the love of Jesus more and more and more, together with all of the saints, with all God's holy people, so that, 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 that they, going on, so that they will know this love that surpasses knowledge. This is what Paul wants them to know, verse 19, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants them to grab the love of Jesus, to know it, to understand it, to experience it. Now, the fact is that, that it is greater than, than we can understand. It's beyond our capacity, the love of Jesus Christ. We can illustrate it like this. You can take a thing board from uh, your sewing kit and you can go down to uh, Peyton Seafront. And you can take that thimble and you can dip it in the, in the sea. And what you have there is, is, is your understanding of the love of Christ. And what, is, what, what remains in, in, in the sea that, that, that covers this earth is, is actually the love of Christ. And even that fails because the love of Jesus is infinite. Here the Apostle Paul is praying that, that the believers might know this. That they might know the love of Jesus. Now why does Paul pray this for them? Why does he want them to, to, to be able to grasp the love of Christ? Surely they already know about the love of Jesus. They've believed in him. So why is he praying this prayer? Well, it's true, isn't it, that we so quickly doubt the love of Christ. Something happens in our life and we, we doubt his love. If he loves me, why is this happening? Or we can sin and we can think to ourselves he can't love me anymore not after not after what i've done and we doubt the love of jesus we forget his love we minimize his love and as christians we need to be reminded again and again and again that the love of christ is infinite we need to know the love of christ we need to grasp it and so this is what paul prays for the christians in ephesus and these are the kinds of things we need to pray for ourselves and we need to pray for other christians sometimes we uh we don't know what's going on in other people's lives. We don't know uh, the kinds of things that people are going through. But God knows. And so we need to pray things like this for, for, for fellow Christians. I need to be reminded of the love of Christ. There was a Christian lady who I know in Derbyshire recently. And, and her brother passed away. And he wasn't saved. And so for all she knows, he didn't, didn't trust the Lord before he died. And so for all she knows, he's lost. And she was really struggling with the love of Christ. And she needed to know this. She needed to be reminded of the love of Jesus. And so we need to be praying these things for, for people, for Christians, for ourselves. Now, one of the reasons why we need to be able to grasp the love of Christ is because it changes us. And it has a God-glorifying effect in our lives. It makes us live for Jesus when we grasp his love. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, it's out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who 
died for them and was raised again. So the Apostle Paul here is saying, I don't know if you caught it, he's saying that he was compelled by the love of Jesus for him, the love of Christ demonstrated on the cross. He said, I was compelled by his love to live the way that I'm living. He says, if I'm out of my mind, it's for God. If I'm sober, it's for you. And he says, the reason I live like this is because I'm compelled by the love of Christ. How can missionaries take their families and go to dangerous places? They're compelled by the love of Christ. And so the love of Jesus has a God-glorifying effect in our lives. And so the Apostle Paul prays this for the Christians. And we need to pray this for each other. We need to pray it for ourselves. And we need to also desire it, to know his love and to be changed by it. And then he goes on, and now we get into the top of the mountain. And this is his final request. He said, may you be strengthened by the Spirit. May you be able to grasp the love of Christ. Thirdly, finally, may you be filled with God's fullness. And this is the pinnacle, this is the peak, this is, is what it's all getting to. The end of verse 19, he says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He prays that they'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now if this wasn't written in scripture, we would, we would never dare to pray it, would we? We wouldn't. What does it mean? Well, the fullness of God, speaking of his perfection. All that he is in his, in his infinite attributes, his power, his glory, his grace, all that God is, his fullness, that they would be filled to the measure, to their, to their capacity, to, to, to what they can, they, they, they're able to uh, have, to their capacity. They'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I would love to be able to explain in detail what that means, but the fact is I can't. But I know something of what it means. It, we could put this another way. And he's praying that they would be made like Jesus. And explain what I mean. Because Colossians 1.19 we learn that it, that, that it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. In Christ all the fullness of God dwelt. Colossians 2.9 it says for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now... We will never have the fullness in us like Jesus did because he is God incarnate, God who became a man. But the Apostle Paul is praying that according to our capacity that we would experience that as much as we can. That we would be like Christ, that God's fullness will be in us and that we will be filled with it. One commentator is helpful here and he says that one way we can understand the word filled is in terms of being controlled by, if you like, or dominated by. If someone is filled with joy, then they're overcome by it. They're controlled by it. They're dominated by that emotion of joy. They're filled with sorrow. And he says that this is what it means here, to be filled with the fullness of God, to have him uh, controlling you, all of your desires, all of your affections, to be dominated by God's fullness. Now the fact is we will never experience this as much as we can on earth. But we're looking forward to a day in heaven when we will experience this in its full capacity. We won't be God, we're not Mormons, but we will be filled with all of his fullness. And if you want to know more of what that means, the best thing I can say is wait and see. But this is what the Apostle Paul prays for the Christians. Why does he, why does he pray this for them? Well, he wants them to experience all that God wants to give them. That's what he wants them to experience. He's reminding them that God is not stingy. He's not a stingy God. And it's true, isn't it, that often 
the reason why we, we lack so much as Christians, lack spiritually, is because we expect so little, don't we? We expect too little from God. We have not because we ask not. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about myself here. But the Apostle Paul wasn't like that. He prayed big. And these are the kinds of things we ought to be praying for ourselves and for others. This, just imagine if we were all filled with the fullness of God. Surely that's, that, that's revival, isn't it? And this is what we should pray for ourselves and pray for others. Are these the kinds of things we pray for? Or are we settling uh, for less than this? Are we desiring this? Do we want it? Well, this is what the Apostle Paul's prayed. He's prayed that they will be strengthened by God's Spirit in the inner man. He's prayed that they will be able to grasp the love of Jesus. And he's prayed that they'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, maybe if you've been, as you've been listening to this, you've been thinking to yourself, yeah, but could God really do this in my life? Could I really experience these things the Apostle Paul is praying for? Could this be my Christian experience? Well, the Apostle Paul anticipates this. And he finishes his prayer with a benediction. And in the benediction, he encourages the Christians that God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Now, the Apostle Paul has, has asked for these things, and he's imagined them, if you like. He's, he's thought about them. And so we know that God can do more than this, exceedingly more, abundantly more. So the Apostle Paul is reminding them God is able to do all of this and more. And maybe you've been thinking to yourself, could God really do this in my life? Or is it too late? It's never too late. It's never too late for us to be revived in our walk with God. And this is how the Apostle Paul finishes the prayer. And these are, I'm going to finish with these words. And after this, uh, Ray will, will introduce our, our final hymn. But the Apostle Paul is praying that we'll be filled, strengthened by the Spirit, that we'll be able to know the love of Christ, and that we'll be filled with all of God's fullness. And this is how he finishes. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.